0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church behind but that was wonderful thank you so much I really enjoyed that and a great sense of hospitality and friendship here each time I come and have been coming here on and off for many years now but there's been a little gap and I think it's been I don't know three or four years maybe since I've been here so it's a great joy to be able to connect again with people I've met before and to make some new friends along the way so that's what church is all about Um, seeing people and doing life with people that we've done Done a lot of life with, and then in a sense of community, church community, whereby we can make new connections and new friends. And there's something about the coming together of ourselves. And the Bible speaks about that, not to us not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. And there's a reason for that. We are always better together. We just are better together. And so if this is your first day, welcome to you this morning. And uh, you know, even though I'm not the pastor of this church, I say welcome to you on behalf of your pastors. And don't run away quickly. Make sure you speak to somebody afterwards. As um, as Pastor Ross said, we we pioneered our church in 1995, and honestly, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we had no idea. One thing that we did know we we were given a word from God, and we had this tremendous sense of confidence and assurance that this was our next step and so we stepped out into territory that was for us at least was uncharted and uh, we knew that we had to break ground not just in our location but there was a lot of breaking ground in us as well and as leaders you've got to be able to learn how to minister at a whole nother level and trust God for things that we just did not have, namely people. And uh, so it's hard to start a church when you don't have people, you don't have money, you don't have a building, you don't have singers, you don't have musicians, you don't have anything. And so we had to trust God along our specific journey to, to call in what we did not have so that the church could become... No one in the area and there was a challenge attached to that as well because when we first started in 1995, the Gold Coast Council would not allow us to put up any kind of sign and all we could afford at the time was this almost a homemade sign that we hung over the overpass or stuck on a tree somewhere uh, <laughs> to let people know that there was a church in the area and that never lasted too long because either someone would come and rip it down, steal it or the council would remove it and And then what happened was in the building that we were in, in the course of time, the, the council put up sound barriers and trees to, to you know... I don't know why they do that, but they just did. And our church was now hidden behind the trees and the sound barrier. So every sign we put up was taken. Now the sound barrier and the trees were growing, and we had no money for major advertising. So we just said, God, we've got the Holy Spirit. And you just direct people in there. Well, when people started joining us as a church, they would say, we heard about you, but it's taken us about three weeks to find you. (laughs) Because there's no signs around. And so they said, it must be the Holy Spirit that brought us here because we had no idea where you were. And so we just somehow grew under the sovereignty of God, knowing that we're in the right place at the right time. And there's a great sense of Um, joy about that because you realize we actually didn't put ourselves here. God put us there. And if he put us somewhere, if he's put you somewhere, then he will do what he said he would do. (laughs) And so we've been there now. We've just celebrated our 23rd birthday. And uh, I was sharing with the women yesterday. We were flicking through some old photographs and whatnot a few weeks back. (laughs) My daughter, was. she didn't say anything, she saw an old photograph of me and couldn't believe how young and trim I looked. (laughs) <laughs> There's been one too many church lunches along the 23 years. <laughs> too much fellowship has been going on. And so here we are 23 years later and still serving God and, and just seeing the kingdom of God advance. And do you know down in this corridor that we find ourselves on and we, we say we're near Dreamworld because there was a day where nobody ever knew where Ormo was. You would say Ormo and they'd say things like Omo, like the detergent. And we'd say, no, Omo with an R, O M E A, E A U. I See, I've forgotten how to spell it myself. And so we would say, Dreamwood. oh, I know where that is. And then they'd say, oh, you're the church with the big cross out the front. And, uh, and we said, yeah, that's us. And so that's where we are. And so we've been down there and they now call us that corridor, the Bible Belt, the Gold Coast. So, while they're wanting to do Bris Vegas and all of that, we're just declaring hey, the Bible Belt is here. The gospel is here. Jesus is here to change and transform lives. So, they can call Bris Vegas all they like. We're declaring that the gospel, the kingdom of God, has moved in and we're taking territory. Because whenever a church is planted, it's never just about a church in a little place. Place and you take up a bit of soil, it's always about taking territory. It's always about taking territory and taking dominion. And so, you know, when Joshua was called into the land that he was called into, it was about taking territory. And so when the local church is in a region, a city, a town, a locality, it is about taking territory. And so we kind of took that seriously and we've prayed along those lines for a good number of years and we've seen it happen. We have seen Christian colleges rise up, we've seen more churches than we've ever Ever, ever seen before. And I love, I love the fact that they've tagged us the Bible Belt. The Gold Coast Corridor is the Bible Belt. So the next time you drive down there, just pray, this is the Bible Belt, Gold Coast, and the kingdom of God has moved in. So that's where we hang out on a Sunday and just about every other day of the week, really. <laughs> and uh, we're still loving the journey that God has us on. Um, I want to share this word with you. I've called it, who is that at your door? Who was that at the door? I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have, which really triggered uh, this, this message this morning. But I had been praying for a young man who had really just stepped outside of his destiny and lost his way and got involved in things that weren't great to get involved in. And I had really been calling upon God for his life. And one day out of the blue, there was this knock on my front door. And I opened the door and here stood this young man that I'd been interceding for. He looked terrible. He was in clothes that were, you know, he looked like he'd been living in them for weeks on end. He, he wasn't in great shape when he arrived. And he said, I'm wondering if I can come in. And I was so surprised when he was standing there. It was like sometimes you can call on God for something and then when it happens... You're not almost ready for what is about to happen, and yet it's the very thing that you've been asking God to do. And I believe that God is about to do the very thing that you've been asking him to do. And uh, I want us to have eyes to see what the Lord has been preparing you for. Everything that you've gone through, everything that he has taken you through is always preparation for where he wants to get you. He wastes nothing. He is not the God who wastes time. He doesn't waste experience. He doesn't waste anything that you've gone through. And he positions and prepares our hearts so that we can enter into his purposes. And so when we cry out and call out to his name, we're crying out for the purpose of God to come over a person's life. Everybody has a purpose there is not one that does not. And while we might have wants and desires and needs and all those things, the most significant thing that you can pray for, for a person or yourself, is God, what is your purpose here? What is the purpose that this one was created for? What is the purpose that I was created for? Help me walk out my God-given purpose so that we can be in cooperation and partnership together so that your purpose can be realized in my life. And you know that there is a great sense of joy fulfillment and provision attached to that so this young man was standing at my door and it was really the starting point of a long journey for him to come into his God-given destiny but when we've been praying for stuff we don't always recognize what God is fitting together and what he's doing and that is really where I want to go this morning and the the um, I guess the backdrop of this, before we pick up on this scripture, is that King Herod, um, he had arrested many who had belonged to the church. And due to his persecution of the believers of that day, he had really won an awful lot of public public approval. People liked what he was doing. And so as a result of that, he decided... This is going well for me. I'm going to arrest Peter as well and it's here that I want to pick up this story. Acts chapter 12 verses 5 through to 16. So Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. And they passed the first and then the second guards and then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel And rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were anticipating. And when this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But key Peter kept on knocking and knocking. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. This is a great story. I can identify with this very passage of scripture right now because, you know, there's times when I've been really, really, really intensely believing God for something and didn't recognize the process of God and the journey that God had me on to get me ready for what he was wanting to do. Back home, we've been talking about increase. Really, we were away at our um, executive retreat end of last year, around November last year. And just in this atmosphere of worship, God began to speak to us about how he wanted us to have an attitude for increase. And I began to think about that and just focus on that. And that has really been our our faith journey I suppose since November last year and we began to break that open like you'd break open a meal and say God what does increase look like for this family what does increase look like for this business person what does increase look like for us as a church what does increase look like for me as an individual and it didn't matter whether we're talking in a church context or individually you can't talk about being kingdom-minded and living in a place of increase without talking about intimacy in relationship with our God. And so here is the story, Peter is not in a good situation. He's a man under guard. He's got chains around about his body. He's in a cell which would not have been a pleasant experience. And while one of their own is in this prison, take note of what the church is doing. The church is in prayer. The church is praying. The church or somebody in that group or hopefully all of them, somebody in that group must have believed that when we pray, prayer can make a difference. That when we pray, maybe even a man in chains can be set free. That when we pray that just maybe... Maybe our voice here upon planet Earth can somehow reach that place in heaven where God dwells and our prayers can make a difference. Our friend is in trouble and the church is found praying. Peter's in prison, he's in chains. And while, while they are praying, take note of verse 7 in chapter 12 of Acts. While they are praying... The scripture tells us that suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up and said, quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Coincidental, random encounter unexplained experience? Or was it a result of voices that were crying out from planet earth saying, God, do something in this situation. Now we ask in the mighty name of our God. And I think sometimes the enemy has done a bit of a a bit of a snow job even on the church to try to get us to lose our voice, to shut us down, to no longer walk in faith. Somebody in this group of prayers believed that something could even change in this terrible situation that Peter was in. You and I have all faced crisis and situations in life, and I'll tell you one of the things the enemy would love to do is for you to lose your voice. There's been times and experiences in my life where I've lost my voice of faith and I've lost my voice of confidence and of courage because it's been sort of like covered over with a whole range of experiences but God wants you to find your voice again. The church has got a voice and the church can be heard. A crisis had come and they were found in prayer. The fact that Peter was in this situation was... It wasn't going to end well for this man. The fact that he was in this meant inevitable execution. He would not have walked out of this alive. And I think sometimes we look at the situations and the crisis and the problems. And, you know, as I said yesterday, I think I said something along the line we'll either look at pits or we'll look at promises. We'll either look at something one way or we'll look at something the other. Or we'll have a one day, someday possibility, could be, should be, maybe, I'm not sure kind of mindset. One day I'll get happy. One day I'll get better. One day I'll believe. One day I'll be committed to following God. One day I'll get well. One day I'll do something about that. One day, someday. And who knows that one day, someday, a year goes by, 10 years goes by, a lifetime goes by and yet when God showed up through an angel, this was not a someday could be, should be, will I or won't I kind of moment. This was a now moment in Peter's life. It is now, Peter. It's time to get up It's time to get dressed. It's time to walk with me. It's time for you to get out of this situation and this moment that your life is in. And it is now and it is not with any delay. It is today and it is right now. This word now is interesting. Because in the King James Bible alone, this word now is mentioned 1,335 times. Some of us feel like we've said to our children, now go and clean up your room 1,335 times. We feel sometimes, I told you to take out that rubbish bin 1,335 times. And so now means this. It means at this present moment of time or without further delay. I sense very strongly in this room that God has been stirring some of your hearts. There has been a move of God's spirit upon you and he is stirring you to say yes to him now and let the journey begin. Some of you, there's a stirring going on because God has shown up in your corner of the world, in your situation that you are in. And when God shows up, he says, I'm here right now. Don't rationalize this. Don't even look at this from a logical point of view. Don't even look at this from a mental, point of view because there are some things that you've got to discern spiritually that God is here and I've shown up right now and I have been sent from the Lord because down the road Peter if we can paraphrase there's been a whole there's there's a group down there and they've been talking to God on your behalf. And because they've been talking to heaven on your behalf, God has heard their cry and heard their prayers. And now he sent me to come and get you out of this situation. I have got no doubt at all that as you have been praying for a son, as you've been praying for a daughter, as you've been praying for a neighbor, as you've been praying for a friend, that God has heard your prayers and he is bothering them right now, that no matter where they are, the bothering of the Holy Spirit is upon them. God is bothering them. And he's bothering them to such a point that they can't ignore it any longer because they can't say, I'll oh, get to that one day. He's bothering them to such a degree that now is the time to get up, to get dressed, to take the step forward, to make that decision and go back to where he was meant to be. Why is it that the prodigal son suddenly came to his senses? God was bothering him. You don't belong right here. There is a father's house back there. That's where your destiny, that's where your future is. That's where the resource is. That's where the provision is. That's where your hope is. That's where your peace is. And I'm telling you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, as many in this room right now, we lift up their names before the the courts of heaven right now. We lift up their names right now before a throne of grace. And we say, oh God, bother them. Bother them, God. Bother them, Lord, I pray. Let them come to their senses. Let them come out of their situation where they are in the name of Jesus. And God, we call them into the house of God. We thank you, Lord. Peter, there's a group down the road. And I know you're in chains and I know you're in trouble and I know you're under guard. But there's a group down the road that know more than those soldiers. There's a group down the road that knows more than Herod, Herod. There's a group down the road that have called upon the name that is above every other name. And as a result, he sent an angel to get you out of this mess. Get up, get dressed, move, follow, walk, do. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year, but right now without any further delay. See, we all want increase and blessing and favour and breakthrough, but it's got to come from intimacy in relationship with our God. Let's not forget the enormity. This is, a, this is a fairly big deal. He's chained up. He's got these guards either side. And if that isn't serious enough, Peter, we're told, is found sound asleep. How does that work? He's asleep. You try and sleep in a horrible dungeon with chains, not nice, cold, probably infested with who knows what, and Peter is found asleep. He is either an extremely deep sleeper, that could sleep anywhere, and some men are like that. How does that happen? Or... He has a peace that surpasses all understanding. It defies where he's at. He's got a peace that even though this is what my surroundings look like, i got something in here that just doesn't add up. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I get that now. I didn't always, but I get that now. When my husband was diagnosed with stage four inoperable cancer, it was a massive journey that we were about to walk on because within hours of him being confirmed that he had inoperable cancer, I received a phone call to say that my mother had terminal cancer. And we were just faced with this enormous story that now was, we didn't know we were about to walk through this, but life just changed literally like that. And I remember I was standing at a golf club somewhere because we'd been invited up and I don't play golf, but my husband does. There's a whole story attached to that, by the way. That's another story. Maybe we won't fit in today. But anyway, he's a golfer. And I'm standing out on this golf course just looking at this beautiful scenery and the peace of God came over me. Like I cannot, I still cannot describe to you what that felt like. I... Wouldn't even do it justice to try and put some sort of wording around that because there's no way to describe the real peace of God. And his peace came over me like a, I guess like a garment or a covering or or a blanket or something. I still can't even put words to it. And it was a peace from head to toe. And I felt his peace so strongly and so beautifully and so powerfully that I actually didn't want to step back. I didn't want to take a step forward. I didn't want to go this way. I didn't. thinking that if I moved a fraction, maybe I would step out of his peace. And I remember just looking up into this beautiful blue sky and saying, God, now I know. Now I know what you mean by a peace, your peace, that surpasses all understanding. Now I know. And I realized that in that moment, I had just met the God of peace, yeah. because peace isn't a word. Peace is a person. Yeah. It is the person of God, and I had the peace of God as we journeyed through a long extended time of many, many, many things going wrong, many things going wrong, and we had a situation just, you know, not so long ago. It was a it was of gigantic proportions. I couldn't can't even go down that road at the moment. But it was massive and complex and complicated. And we stepped into this room of mediation. And, and as we started to talk, I've never felt grace move into a room like I have on this particular occasion. And I felt grace. And I realized I had just encountered the person of grace. See, we sing church songs, grace and peace and hope. They're not words in our church songs. That is a person, the person of grace, the person of hope, the person of peace, and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. And so Peter now is faced with this incredible experience, and he gets up, gets dressed, moves out with the angel. They pass through the first guard. Come through the second guard walking down the street with the angel. And I have no doubt that you and I have walked with angels and we never knew. We just didn't even know. I can probably say three or four occasions whereby there were angels on assignment there, and I didn't see them, but I knew they were there. One of those situations was my daughter's as they going down the highway ended up running into the back of the truck with a tray the tray of the truck came through pinning them both to the into the car the car started to fill up with smoke and this man shows up at the window and he says I've come to get you out gets the girls out the police arrive. the ambulance arrives everyone arrives and they said to the two girls sitting on the side of the road where where is where are the people that have been killed in this car and they said we were in the car and they said no you couldn't have been because no one could have survived that and they said, no, you couldn't be. They were unharmed, nothing broken, nothing, nothing whatsoever was broken. And the weird thing was, they, they didn't see the man arrive and they didn't see him leave. He just showed up and said, I've come to get you out of the car. I thought, oh, I want to see one of those, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll just take a little one. doesn't even have to be a big angel. Just, you know, one of those little angels would do. But anyway... My husband, he goes to India, as Ross mentioned. He's been going since 1983. I don't know how many trips that is, but um, he's been going since 1983. And he and his friend, they were over there ministering. And they were in some village somewhere and this group of Indians started to circle around about them. And uh, the circle was tightening and closing in on them. And they sensed that these guys were out to do them some harm. So they went back to back and got their fists ready like this. You know, they were going to punch their way out of it. And uh, I said, did you not think about calling upon the name of Jesus or anything like that? You know, and he said, well, we didn't think about that in the moment. We just thought we've got to get out of this. (laughs) So these are the pastors. (laughs) So take heart if you forget about that sometimes. And so anyway, just as they're kind of coming up with their plan... Next minute there's this sound coming down the road and it's a truck. And this truck, the driver of the truck decides to just put his hand on the horn of the truck, beep, and he's coming down the road like that, plowing his way down the street and there's people scattering all over the place, including this circle of people that had circled around them and they took off like scared rabbits and disappeared into somewhere. I don't know if that was an angel, but he was an angel right there in that moment. God rescued them and they got out of that situation. I got no doubt That we have walked and seen, and God has sent angels to help you in a time of need. Peter in verse 10, they pass through the first and then the second guards. And some of you have gone through experiences and circumstances where it's like, we just got on the other side of that, and it was huge and then we thought take a deep breath and we've survived that and then only to be confronted with a second situation it was just like we have just got through that and we made the it was there was a degree of difficulty attached to that and you take a deep breath and it's like we've got through all of that now we're walking and we're talking and we're okay and in Peter's life here in verse 10 It says, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this iron gate, this iron gate, no matter how you view an iron gate to me, an iron gate represents something that's imposing, something that is confronting. It is no small thing. An iron gate has a sense of force. And it is just an impenetrable thing that you are now faced with. And that iron gate represented him going from here to there into freedom. And this should have been a situation in Peter's life where the struggle and the confrontation of that iron gate should have been... I cannot believe it. I've just been, we've just busted out of the jail. We've got through the guards. We've walked down the street. No one's bothered us. The chains have fallen off. It's just like I'm just having this amazing experience. Now you've got to be kidding with me. I'm now confronted with an iron gate, which is my doorway into freedom. When Byron, my husband, was diagnosed with cancer, it was, it was no small thing. I mean, one, it was stage four. And me and my naivety said to the specialist, how many stages are there? And they, the doctor said, this, this is it, Anne. We're, we're here. And we had a horrendous time. So many things went wrong with his body. He ended up with blood clots in the lungs he ended up with septicemia, which is blood poisoning. He ended up with kidneys that were leaking potassium. He's had a TIA, a, a, a clot in the brain. He's had just, uh, and a whole host of other things. That's just to name a few. And so, you know, one of the things they said to us was the thing that we cannot afford for him to get is pneumonia. So I had to take his temperature twice a day, and they said, if this ever rises up, above 38 degrees, you are to get in the car and get him to the hospital immediately because his immune system is so compromised that it will turn into pneumonia within hours and he will be gone, he'll be dead within 48 hours. And so it's like we, in this story, it's like we pass through the first situation he overcame the blood clots in the lungs. He overcame the septicemia. He overcame the kidneys that were leaking in potassium. He overcame this and that and this and that. And then finally at the tail end of this incredible story that we were in, his temperature flared up and he was diagnosed with pneumonia. And it was like, I cannot believe it. And it was like our iron gate experience, if you like. It was like, I cannot believe we've come so far. We've conquered so much. We've stood so well. We've prayed our way through this. We believe God with everything we've got. And now there's an iron gate before us, which is going to cut his race short. And it was our moment, if you like, and that should have been... Almost like the battle zone of all battle zones because he had no immunity, he had no voice, he had no strength, he had nothing left within him to fight. In fact, he couldn't even speak. And it was that Iron Gate experience to me. You know, right now there's something in the air. And they're saying that the number 18, according to Hebrew thinking, means this. It means new beginnings. And with new beginnings, that means that there is a sense of now, and there is a sense of God is doing something right now, not tomorrow, not someday, not next decade, but right now. But it also means this, that 18 can also represent bondage, struggle, and captivity. And there was this word that was going around, which I sort of grabbed a hold of, because Some of you are facing iron gates in your families. Some of you are facing iron gates in in business. Some of you are facing iron gates of other experiences. And this word 18 means this. It represents the end of a struggle and the start of brand new beginnings. Brand new beginnings. And when Peter got to this iron gate, instead of the fight, instead of the expenditure, instead of the struggle... The Scripture tells us the gate opens up all by itself, just all by itself. And he crosses through and he gets on the other side of that gate and we must never forget that we have a supernatural God who does supernatural things. He walks through and he gets to the house and he knocks on the door. He knocks on that door and the servant girl sees him at the door and she runs back and she tells the intercessors the prayers. This is the faith camp. These are the ones that have been calling upon this mighty God to do something with their friend or for their friend in the prison. And she says, Peter's standing at the door and get and listen to what the faith camp says. Woman, you are out of your mind. You have lost your mind. You are mad. And it just reminds us how faith and unbelief can come out of the same heart and the same mouth. And yet here was Peter, the answer to their prayers, knocking at the door. What is knocking at your door this year? What is knocking at your door? What opportunities are knocking at your door? Some of you are facing or thought you were facing something that looks so impenetrable, something that was so imposing, something that was so hard and it's like, I've grown so weary, we've beat that, we conquered that, we dealt with that, we crossed that, we got to this point and now there's this iron gate and I tell you, I want you to have trust today in the supernatural ability of your God, who is a supernatural God, a superabundant God, who is able to do more than you've ever imagined, more than you've ever thought, more than you could ever realize. If we forget that there is a supernatural God, then we've just missed the whole essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ because everything about the kingdom of God is supernatural. Ephesians 3:20 says this now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Instead of the pneumonia killing my husband, today he is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today he is traveling the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Should have been our iron gate that stopped him from crossing over into freedom and health and finishing his race. And some of you are looking at Iron Gates right now with your children and your families and your situations right now. And I believe that I'm here this morning to speak over those iron gates and say, God, visit that place. Visit that family. There is a knock at your door. There are ones that are coming back in, that prodigal, that son, that daughter, that child, that friend. God, bother them, we pray. Let them be bothered by the Spirit of God. Let their minds be wide open. Let scales fall from their eyes. Move them into their destiny, Lord, I pray. That which has been purposed and that which has been written over Their lives, oh God. We come into agreement right now with your words that you've written over their lives. And we say, oh God, let there be a knock at the door. Let families be reconciled. Let children be returned, oh God. Let the house of God be filled again with praise and with faith and with expectation in a supernatural God. Some of you are facing financial crisis, and it's like your iron gate. And I tell you what, it's time that we found our voice again and said, My God is able. My God is able. You know, let me say this in closing. The enemy wants to get you stuck. He actually doesn't have to defeat you. He just needs to get you stuck long enough for you to believe that this is permanent. That's a word for some of you in this room right now. He just wants to get you stuck in your moment. And if you will decide from this service on that no more will I be stuck, for it's my time to get up and it's my time to get dressed. It's my time to move with God. It's my time to find faith and courage again. It's my time to find my voice again. It is my time for God has sent God has sent His voice over my life right now, and nothing is impossible with Him. Give God all the praise right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We're going to pray in just a moment time. We're going to open up this altar, and we're going to stand in faith with you over those iron gates that the God Our God of the supernatural is going to open. Things that you thought were just so hard, you're just going to see something just move out of the way. That something's just been shifted. And the effort that I thought I had to put in that is just like, whoa, I just got over here. That's how God works. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. And Pastor Ross is going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus Christ as Lord today. And uh, just keep your heart open in this last closing moments of this service. God is not finished with us yet. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.